Well, the last things we want to do this morning is to, to commission um, Citizens Akron to the work of the gospel in Akron, Ohio. You know, commissionings we usually do of, you know, people. We usually, you know, commission a few months ago, I was commissioned here or commissioned Dave Short into, and a lot of times we commission people, but this morning we're going to commission a church. And when we commission a church, this isn't just some formal type of thing that we do. We believe that God has established authority structures within the church in order to do that. And one of the great things about James Talbert and all, I think, um, the leadership that's, that I've been meeting with for months, um, most of you are here today, that we've been meeting because you understand that you need to come under the authority of the church. Now, we all sit underneath the authority of Jesus Christ, but, but all of us come under authority in some way within the structures that God has established. And so, in many ways, you're being sent out right, from the chapel in North Canton to, to plant, to to engage um, in the gospel work in Akron, Ohio. We're doing that side by side and arm in arm together. But this morning, in many ways, we're going to commission you, commission you to do this great work. There's a, there's a group, it was the, a guy named, his name was Count Zinzendorf. He was of Moravians in Eastern Europe. And Zinzendorf was a part of this small group of men and they called themselves the Order of the Mustard Seed. And out of these men would come one of the greatest revivals and awakenings in Central and Eastern Europe that has probably ever been seen. And they had a slogan. They all had rings. There was four men. They had rings. And inside the rings, there, it, was, it was written, None live for themselves. In many ways, they gathered together in a room, and they prayed, and they made a commitment to each other. And in that, they went out, and they did not live for themselves, but they lived for Christ. And so this morning, as we, as we commission, we're in, in, in many ways making a statement. And there's two types of statements that are being made today. One is the Citizens Akron. You, you, are, you are making a statement today that Jesus Christ is your Lord, and you are going to center everything you have on him. And you are not going to live for yourselves, but even at great risk, you will take for the sake of him and his kingdom in Akron, Ohio, and beyond. As a church, I hope we're making a similar commitment this morning. We're making a commitment that not only do we believe that God is calling them to live this way, but he's calling us to live this way. And we together are going to live this way for the sake of his kingdom and his purposes in this world. In some ways, today is a dual commitment, and so I'm going to charge us this morning, and then all y'all, all right, that's the best way to say that, are going to go, and you're going to stand in that middle circle, and all of us are going to press in around you, and we're going to pray over you this morning. Probably the most significant thing we'll do all morning is to pray over you and commission you in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Before we do so, there are five things that I believe that we must keep center of our lives Five things that if we come outside the bounds of these, we will in some ways denied or rejected our call to be faithful witnesses, ministers, citizens of the kingdom of heaven. So the first commitment that we make this morning is to be, to be a, a people who are gospel-centered in all we do. And that's a word that's used a lot around churches, and I think about five, six years ago, it began to be used more than it had ever been used in the past. So when I say being a people that are gospel-centered, this is what I mean by that, is that we are a people that recognized that, that I have been saved. I, I have been saved. A, a past work 
And maybe say it like this together. We have been, you don't have to repeat this. We have been saved from the penalty of our sin for the purpose of being his beloved children. That simply in this, that you and I and all of us, we rest on a fact that we have been saved and redeemed by our Father for the simple purpose of being his beloved child. And hear this, church, this morning, he doesn't expect anything from you. There is no work that can make you righteous in him. You have everything you need in the Father alone. What he wants with you is intimacy. Jesus will define this. I'll say he'll he'll define salvation in John 17, that you may know. Salvation is this, that you may know the one and only true God. The beginning of the gospel is is recognizing that the, the greatest truth is that I am in with him and he loves me and all that the Father has is mine. So the first understanding, but second, that not only have I been saved, but we are being saved from the power of sin today for the purpose of bringing him glory in all things by the power of his spirit. That in this room today, when I, when I came to know Jesus, that wasn't the end of the work that he was doing in me. It was really just the beginning. And that today, his kingdom came in my life when I gave myself to him, but it is coming. He is helping me overcome the power of sin in my life. The things that entangle me, the things that harm me, the things that hold on to me, the things in my life that don't honor him. He is freeing me from that through the power of his word, through the power of his people, Through his power, through the power of his spirit, he is freeing me from these things. And so being a gospel-centered church, being a gospel-centered people is recognizing that we have been. We are being saved currently from the powers of darkness that surround us. And then last, that we will be one day saved from the presence of sin for the purpose of the Father's eternal joy in the presence of our King, Jesus. That one day, the snares of this world and the trials of this world will be over Although my body might be dying today, I will always be alive because I have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And when I grab a hold of that truth, when we grab a hold of these three truths combined in the gospel, it helps us to live fearlessly in this world. We're going to get to that in a moment. But we're committed to being a gospel-centered people, recognizing the love the Father has shown us, is showing us, and one day will show us forever. And so being committed to gospel centrality in all that we do, that the Lord Jesus Christ has, is, and will do all the good works that will be done through us. So second is that we are a discipleship-driven people. We believe in Matthew 28 that Jesus gave a great commission. And in that great commission, he said, go into all the world and make disciples, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is an inclusive, all-inclusive commission. What this commission is saying is that you give your life to reproduction and even in realms of gospel saturation, what he's, what he's saying, and he'll say it again in Acts 1.8, say, go into all Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. Go and make disciples all over, right? And so the chaplain, North Canton, Citizens Act, and we are committed to making disciples wherever we go, not only as a corporate thing together, but as an individual command to ourselves. And so we believe that the primary function of the church is disciple-making, 
This is the activity in which we do. So whether we have a baby that we're praying for or someone in their later years, we are about looking more and more like Jesus, bringing all of our life underneath his authority and living this out and increasingly doing that and what we're being given, giving it away to others, being a discipleship-driven people. So third, we're committed to being familiarly formed, that we are a family. This is really, really important. That the church of Jesus Christ isn't people who just like come into a space, like say pleasantries to one another, and then leave and go about their life individually, that we can come back together, say nice, pleasant things to one another, say things like, how was your day? Say, good. Then we move on. Why? Why do, we, why do we say that? I'm not bagging on you for doing that, because a lot of times the only reason I say good is that's the only context of that relationship. I'm not dumping my trash on that person. They don't even know me. Right? It would be wrong of me to, dump, to say anything other than that almost. But we're a fam- when we become a family, when someone asks me that question, see, they've invaded all kinds of spaces in my life as a family, and they know when I say good and I don't mean it. That we don't treat each other like family. We treat each other as family because it's more real. See, see what I believe, and maybe many of you have heard this or maybe know me, some of you don't, my brother went to be with the Lord December 3rd last year, my, my, my blood brother, Mark. But see, the reality is, is when I get to heaven, man, I can't wait to see Mark. You know how many brothers I have that I'm going to be with in heaven? You know how many sisters I have? And, and just so we're clear, let's just start treating each other like, like we will in heaven today. And that's what the, really, the church really is. It's a, it's a family-formed people who, what the scripture says, that we love one another. We bless one another. We bear one another's burdens, one another's, one another's, one another's. You can't read a letter of the Apostle Paul without him constantly going through the one another's. Acts 2, the church forms and says they broke bread together. They met in one another's homes. They gave to one another as they had need. The church is a family. It's not formed as some kind of, kind of religious formalism where we sit in rows and we are disconnected. The church is a family and we're committed to being a family-formed people. But see, in order to be that, we have to accept responsibility to be that family. I have to recognize I'm a brother. I have to recognize that I'm a sister. I'm not a sister. You have to recognize that. You're with me. We're familiarly formed. The fourth commitment that we make is we believe what the church to be is that the church in many ways, is in, and this has to do with the ministers and the pastors of the church, the churches are equipping centers. This is what we believe churches to be. Churches aren't places where we hire people to do the work of the ministry. Churches are places where we hire people to help equip people to do the work of the ministry in the everyday of life. And many times we get this reversed to thinking, well, that's what we, as in, I, I might have heard this before in my life, well, that's what we pay you to do, Right? That, that's not how the church functions. The church and James Talbert and the other pastors at Citizens are here to shepherd you and guide you and to equip you that you might work out where you have been placed and what God is calling you to do in greater ways. The pastors of the chapel in North Canton, the elders at the chapel in North Canton are here to help equip you. Work diligently, hopefully, to help equip you. I hope in the last year that I've been here that in some ways you've been equipped in greater ways to fulfill and love your God and your Savior, Jesus Christ, in your life. And I hope that we only begin to do that better as we live our lives. But churches are equipping centers. It's foundational for what we believe the church to be. Paul will say it like this, equip the saints for the work of the ministry, he charges Timothy. 
Fifth and last is we're committed to taking risks for the sake of our king. Paul will say it like this. I've given my body over to death that you might have life. Say, I consider everything rubbish compared to the surpassing knowledge of our Savior, Jesus Christ. That we as a people are called to take risks in our life for the sake of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so, Citizens Akron, you are going to begin to take more and more risks for your Savior. And those risks may have cost. They may even have consequences. But I'll say this to you, that I'm so thankful that my Savior, Jesus, came and took a big risk and had major consequences because of that for me. He bled. He died. He suffered because of his love of the Father and his affection for me. And so out of our love of the Father and our affection for him, we lose all things that we might gain all things. That we as a church are called to be a peculiarly risk-taking people for the sake of those who are perishing, those who do not have a Savior, and to, maybe say it as an author wrote it, to the hurting, the dirty, and the dying in our world. This is a marker of who the church has been, the church that he has always been creating, and the church where the the gates, right, the, the gates of hell can't prevail against it. We are a church that has been called to be engaged in taking risks for our Savior. So this morning, church, citizens, us one together, will you commit, will you commit yourselves, ourselves, to gospel centrality in all that we do? Living in the day-to-day, recognizing what Jesus has done, what he is doing, and what he one day will do. We this morning commit ourselves to being disciples who make disciples. That might mean for some of us that we engage in greater ways of growing up in the gospel, that we might be able to give it away. And it might mean for some of us that we begin to commit our lives again to giving away that which we've been given. This morning we commit ourselves to being a family to one another. Not only in the future, but maybe even looking backwards into the past. I always, when I hear this, I always think about repentance. That sometimes a commitment to this means I need to make some things right with those that I've offended or hurt. And in a way in which I live my life moving in the future, that when I sit across the aisle from a brother or a sister, I treat them as such. It doesn't mean we won't have complications. It doesn't mean we won't have conflicts. It won't mean that we don't have trouble. But what it does mean is that I am going to love them and I'm going to care for them like Now, I said it wrong, as family, as family. And then the fifth, we commit ourselves separately, individually, and together to take risks so that others might know Christ and his love might be displayed in us and through us in this world. I would say that this today, especially with risk-taking, if you're unwilling to take risks for your Savior, I would highly doubt you know the Savior. What can I give in return to the one who died and was crucified for me? There's no end to what my life could give back to him. See, we live and we come from a long legacy of men and women who gave up everything for the sake of the Father, for the sake and the glory of the King. 
And we are a people that are, that are called, and today we're committing again to take risks in our life for the glory of our God, for our Savior, Jesus Christ. So citizens, as I know, you've been going through this, and I know you're committed to these things. In many ways, I'm restating things that you've heard over and over. But I'm going to ask you to go stand in the middle, right over there. So go ahead and stand up. I ask you to go. Some of you are like, I don't want everybody to see me. Too bad. So it's going to be good. If you'll go down. Let's encourage them. Thanks for being with us again. We're so excited for what God's doing. So I'm going to ask for all of us to stand up, and this is going to get messy, but I'm going to ask everybody to press in and surround them. And so if you want to come around front, if you just want to squeeze in, we're going to lay hands on them this morning. Oh, man, I wish you could have my view right now. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for your grace and your kindness and how you set us apart to your unique work and tasks. Lord, we're thankful that, Lord, in this circle, there's so many stories of how you've brought men and women to where they are to be a part of this movement that you're breaking forth to saturate Akron with your gospel. And Lord, we thank you for the risks that have already been taken by them the steps of faith, the relocation, all the things they've done out of obedience to you. We're grateful to be a part of a church family surrounding them that truly loves them and cares for them in, in so many extraordinary ways. And Lord, we are just incredible. We're just so grateful that you would have, you've allowed us to come to a place as a congregation to be able to, to send out these to commission these this morning in your name, Jesus, to be, to be men and women who are centered on you, to be men and women who are committed to making disciples in all they do, or to be men and women who love each other as family in such a peculiar way and in the midst of such struggle and brokenness where they'll be. Or we're grateful for men and women committed to being equipped and equipping others to do the work that you have called them to. And again, Lord, we're grateful that not only today and have they, but they will in the future take great risks for your name and glory in the days ahead to see your kingdom come in greater and greater ways. And so, Lord, we say to you as the chapel in North Canton, Lord, we commit ourselves to surround them and to care for them and to love them as they, as they launch. 
And Lord, we pray that you would do immeasurably more than they could think or imagine, that we could think or imagine in Akron. Lord, we pray for revival. We pray for renewal. We pray for a great work to move forward. And Lord, we commission them. We commission citizens Akron, again, in your name, Jesus. Today, we are grateful for what you have done, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right.